listen to subscribe to the table of truth on itunes spotify stitcher and google podcasts welcome everybody once again this is blurred lines your man cam with me as always is this is josh aka the double-sided whopper that is tolerant of all things and all people for pride month thumbs up and as well (laughs) hello everybody it's d the professor d is not tolerant of everyone (laughs) no no he is not i'm I'm tolerant of, of of thinking human beings and they are rare <laughs> and uh we're back with another edition of blurred lines we're doing a we're doing a roundup today no no hardcore reviews a lot of things have been going on um in the world but uh we'll let the more serious podcast talk about Life those things <laughs> here we are we talking geek sci-fi comics and movies and television and stuff the distractions but even though we have those cool things and distractions they're still racist white people. There and are? Just Do like tell. the cases of uh, the new Obi-Wan that just came out. It's a three episode deep. We'll do a, a further deep dive into it um, when it wraps up. But we have our tried and true racist Star Wars fans. When anytime they see a non-white person in Star Wars, they have to say something because, you know, that's just what you have to do. Well, no, because there are only white people in the galaxy far, far away a long time ago. <laughs> they're yeah. not even people. Technically, they're aliens. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they are that's aliens. True. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's basically, you know, Again, we're not new to this, but it is interesting to see that. No, no, no. This is the first time this is. <laughs> you know, one thing I will say, it's the first time I saw the other chapter, the other sci-fi kind of franchise yes. people speak up for yes. said person that's going to attack. So if you haven't noticed, yeah. um, is it Moses Ingram? Is that her last name, Ingram? Yes, yes. Moses yes. Ingram, who plays yes. uh, Reva, the yep. Inquisitor, third yep. Inquisitor. The third sister inquisitor, and so she, uh, right on cue, is being a non as a person of color in Star Wars movie or something of Star Wars, was getting a lot of uh, you know, the hate tweets and the racist shit, blah 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 blah. And so, um, to everyone's credit, you know, you know, Disney's behind her, all the her co workers are co cast is with her. But the cool thing that I saw was that we started to see people from other franchises, like we saw um, Anson Mounts from uh, Star Trek. We mm-hmm. saw, um, which I'm not sure if it's true or not, but the the dude from, uh, the Klingon dude from Star Trek. From- <laughs> oh, Garon. Yeah. So I think it's a fake account. It's just the guy yeah. who, who has an account as, Ga- as Gowron. <laughs> yeah. Which I-, I thought was actually hilarious. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you know, it, it, it happens. It's like the turn of the season for whenever you have this and it's it specifically happens a lot more rapidly in star wars than any other sci-fi franchise where diversity seems to be a problem Mm -hmm. you know it's like there are no black stormtroopers like okay what (laughs) isn't this but this is a fictional world and based on what evidence there are no they all they never take off their helmets so you're going by a voice? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, or, or, you know, in this case, I don't know. I didn't even look at, to be honest, all of what the what was said. I just know that there's harassment going on. But, you know, to be that 
adamant about something that someone else made up is just ridiculous. Shout yeah, out to no. John Boyega, the king of Twitter comebacks. Yeah. Salute that man. He was the only one. He was like, you know what? I actually have time today. Come, come, come with it. <laughs> and we'll take down, take down all comers. It's amazing. Epic, the epic takedown. Um, but then also too, um, the uh, was it Kelly Marie Tran? She got a lot of hate as well when she was in her in her roles and the things as well. Yep. As an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's just one of those things where, like, unfortunately, the as the world starts to become browner, <laughs> uh, all of the favorites are you know they they still come because even when I was working at Marvel, we had to do the same thing for literally anything that would pop up. They would just like the the amount of racist stuff or the amount of sexist stuff would just like the, it would just come through and then you know we had we had to have interns like go in and freaking delete like like Instagram comments after a I think it was when we were doing um oh it was like America Chavez when she had her own book or whatever and it was just like oh that's not the America that I know and all this d- other dumbness and just re- like it is it's to the point where uh, as uh, our homie Jay Ross said shout out to him he was like imagine being a dork and a racist <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it, it's you know, again, that notwithstanding, I think Moses Ingram is from the first three episodes and ha- for her character, she's doing a fantastic job of Absolutely. bringing Reva to life and showing her as a new uh, entry of a Star Wars um, villain that's, you know, worthy of talking about other than just, oh, wow, they, these idiots out here are you know trying to bully her or you know think that because they have these nasty comments all of a sudden this fictional world is going to revert to being white you know all white you know so it, it's it's again it's just a ridiculous notion it's it's a ridiculous um thought and you know i would think that when you really stop to think about it the only thing and you strip away everything, the only thing you can say is, wow, I'm really prejudiced, so prejudiced that I don't want to include uh, people other than me in someone else's fictional work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it, When you break it down like that, you got to feel like a dummy. But apparently these people don't think about it like that. They think of it. Oh, no, they definitely don't. These are the same numbskulls who, like, I um, remember the article I, I posted uh, I, I posted in our chat um, talking about um, Star Trek dives into woke politics. I'm like, have you ever seen the 60s? <laughs> seen Star Trek. Because I got to tell you, like, Roddenberry was way ahead of his time. Like, his show nearly got yanked off the air several times for several of the topics that he broached. The show is responsible for the first interracial on-air kiss in the world. Like, yep. he's not... And, and it was intentional. It wasn't like, oh, well, maybe, or, you know, it just so happened that... No, he was being very deliberate. Yeah. Very deliberate about it. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's hilarious to me the level of of ignorance. It's like you know these dummies that wear the Punisher skull. You know, like you walking around wearing the Punisher skull. Uh, 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 um, abusive cops, right? Like overt racists. You saw them at the um at Trump at, at, at Trump conventions and whatever when he was. Oh yeah, damn yeah yeah. When he was president. And like, if you took the time to even research a little bit of any of the things that you 
that that these people go on about Punisher hates racists and he hates dirty cops. <laughs> there <laughs> like, it is. Vehemently, for the what thirty years he's been around for thirty five years he's been around. Mm-hmm. Not probably not like if this was a real person, he would probably kill you. <laughs> yeah. Legit. Yeah. yeah. Totally true. And yeah. I think that's the that's the actually the, the craziest part. Um and not to give the the uh the races too much of our time, but uh I recently just uh completed the first the first three episodes of Obi-Wan. I was catching up, I was doing other things, and um I was gonna say first impressions in general, it was pretty cool, like it was fun, like what I did, I did a little something different instead of instead of binge watching, which I've been trying to do a better habit of is not binge watching stuff anymore. Um, just because like I I'm starting, to, I want to enjoy it for once as opposed to unless it's like super super good. But what I've been trying to do is like trying to stop myself from doing like four episodes in a row. I'll just Change the way you enjoy your television. Yep, this is exactly the what landscape I'm has changed. I'm trying to I'm trying to go old school, man. I'm trying to go old school. So what I did was I watched the first episode of Obi Wan. And then so I watched the first you, episode. Watch, you, you mimic episode. You mimic commercials in between. In between <laughs> <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing like working stuff. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah. So I did the first episode, and then I what I did was instead of watching number two, which I know everyone said was really dope, blah blah blah, I went and watched uh, Stranger Things episode one, and it was fun because then my reactions were different because I think I now I understand why they dropped both episodes of Obi One because that first one was a kind of a nice softball get you like laid up you're comfortable now you get to see yeah. where things are at and then it kind of ends on some like okay now the show's gonna start and then hopping over to stranger things which once again got to give it to the duffer brothers the way they handle a, a large un- ensemble cast in a way that doesn't feel like no one's getting shorted is pretty dope mm-hmm. um and that was the thing i noticed so much i was just like man in the short period of time in that time the same amount of time that obi-wan had they let you know where everybody was at what happened you got caught up really quick you know someone broke up you know this person lives here this person lives there and it didn't feel too crazy just all within that first episode plus give you a little bit of a setup for the next and i was like wow that to one thing about strangers that do give them credit for they do have a really good job of their character development and really like reminding you oh yeah these are the characters that you really like this is where they're at and then in obi-wan in that first one i was kind of like okay flashback flashback this is cool nostalgia da, 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 yeah. da, da. it's nice and so i think i'm now starting to agree more with d'angelo now where i like the nostalgia of pulling back these older characters is starting to like like lessen for me and then um and then to josh's credit he was like watch two and three then i didn't tell me if you feel this the same way um and so i did and two and three for obi-wan was dope like you know it was good and they picked up the pace a little bit moses ingram is awesome um uh i don't like i'm like i was really i was curious to see how the child actor for leia was and she actually was pretty good um props to her so she really did a good job of that balance but um but i think i'm starting to get the fatigue of the older characters that i don't really care about like i really like I'm more excited about an Ahsoka show, and just because I get to see all the Rebels characters and all that kind of stuff, I love the Inquisitors. I'm just like I don't care about anything Skywalker anymore. Like it's cool that Obi Wan's here, which is awesome, and they're gonna give us some some new stuff. But like the farther away we get from Skywalker, I think the better we can get. Yeah, I think if you if you move things, far, the the thing is, it's it's like you see, it probably is mired in 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 the Skywalker saga. There's so many other characters, so many other places to go, so many other things that you could posit stories around. Um, and I think probably Ahsoka is probably going to be the best thing they do. 
Like it's not gonna have all the all the all the negative criticism all the other shows have. It's not gonna have you know aside from the Mandalorian, which I think everyone loves at this point. Yeah. Um, I I, I really 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 believe, especially because Dave Filoni is involved. Like I, I I can't say enough about that man's grasp of story, <clears throat> and and specifically where Star Wars is concerned. Um, but I mean. They, they've teased Grand Admiral Thrawn. They've teased the return of Ezra Bridger. It just, there's so many things that are going to happen in that show that move the mythos forward that you really could care less about what happens with Skywalker, with, with, with the Skywalkers, like where it lands almost doesn't matter. Like none of that matters. It really is just about the central characters and how they move the mythology forward. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that's kind of like what, you know, uh d'angelo says this like multiple times where he's just like yo we have we're in a whole galaxy and we keep talking about these same three people <laughs> well you know and just even in the even i mean ahsoka is fine and i think all those characters from rebels are cool but they're still within the paradigm of the skywalker legacy when, yeah. again there are so much there's so many other parts of the Star Wars realm um, to be explored in the, the mythology that to stick into the, even when you look at the visual palette of Obi-Wan and um, Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, they start to bleed in and blend together and look almost the same with the same set pieces because they're in the same stratosphere to kind of either post empire or right and not even enough distance for the empire to be a, a distant memory but like just a few years after the fall and then or right in the middle the thick of things in the case of um of uh obi-wan so you know i just think that if if the disney obi-wan is fine like it's for these fans of that story the obi-wan vader rivalry you know like I, we know where that ends we know how what the ultimate conclusion is going to be but there is a gap in their story that you know begs for curiosity so the fact that this is a six episode limited series that kind of functions more as a film as a movie a tv movie yeah i think that's the reason why it works a little bit yeah, better for me than getting into a Boba Fett or where. Yeah, not exactly. And um, uh, because Deborah Chow, Deborah Chow is the director for all six of the episodes, and like yeah. you said, that makes it like basically a mini movie, um, as opposed to Mandalorian, which is kind of like a um, you know, they get they grab you know they have their group of directors they get to kind of put their spin on things, um. So yeah, I mean, so far I think that's that makes it kind of cool. I think you know. I, it was. It's definitely a dope thing that they're doing it. It's like, it's like again, I know all the Star Wars fans are, all, you know, going over the moon for it and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Um, and then I think uh, I still got a ways to go for Stranger Things, but we'll talk about that later on. And I think that those are the ones where, like, Stranger Things, I was just kind of like, oh man, this is kind of fun. Like, I'm the the level of the '80s nostalgia and the production designer. You're right. Definitely needs like an Emmy for that shit because. As a six-year-old Cam could call out everything that was in there. <laughs> I used to watch scenes and all the shoes and the stuff in the background and all that kind of stuff. Um, the hairstyles, all yeah, that. exactly. And like it had this like the '80s nostalgia that I really enjoyed, and it's something that was like you know 
they they you could tell they put some really uh, hardcore time into it and you know because the 80s is really hot right now me and josh we watched top gun there's a segue there guys if you guys didn't notice that right into the same into the danger zone cam <laughs> right into the danger zone brother that was a good segue and uh so me and me and josh watch uh top gun maverick AKA the last white action hero, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, I uh, freaking loved it. The shit was uh, pretty damn awesome. It was it had heart, it had action. It was fucking, the, the thanks to Josh, we went to the Dolby Theater, uh, uh, best sound in uh, New York City, pretty much. Nice. Um, nice. And so like the roar of the engine, it gave you goosebumps and like you felt it like <laughs> in your chest every time a, a, a jet roared. But uh, yeah, it, it was. It gave me all the the warm and fuzzies. It gave me all the warm and fuzzies. It was good action. The comedy. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a good movie. I, I thought I, I, impossibly good movie uh, for a thirty year old. What? Yeah, I think 30, 35 year old property mm-hmm. um, that really didn't need a sequel. Yeah, I was I, I was I was pleasantly surprised at how good it was. It, it um, nondescript foreign entity. As um as an as as a excuse me, nondescript foreign enemy as entity uh entity is the enemy. Uh, I, I love how they just dodge around calling out what country it's in, <laughs> but they don't ever mention what country it's in at all. No nationality whatsoever. Yep, pretty smart. Um, pretty smart. But they put a lot of effort into this movie. And I mean, you know, it's one of those things where like, <clears throat> if you you get what you 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 get what you. If your ideologies move in a particular direction, you're gonna get whatever your, wh- whichever way you sway. If you're just neutral and can care less about, you know, uh, the military cus- industrial complex and, you know, go go America, you know, and and yay Nate and and yay military, you just got a really good fighter jockey movie, and it definitely yeah. was superior. It was perfectly shot, like. I don't know, like they had IMAX cameras in the cockpit, and oh yeah, I didn't tell you, I went back and saw it in IMAX, and oh, yeah. that, oh, nice. it didn't really make a difference. Mm. Um, not to me, not to my eye anyway. It really didn't. It was just bigger. That's <laughs> really all it boils down to. But but um, it was just it was incredibly well shot. Um, the fighter choreography was just absolutely off the charts. Um, it just, it's just a well done, it's a good movie. If you just want to see a good movie, a good action film, you will get your money's worth and then some. You know, yeah. if you're if you're a yay yay America, you'll get that. If you're anti America, well, you know, hey, you probably <laughs> it's, it's Tom Cruise. What are you doing here? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm sure um, it'll be streaming. It's funny because there's, there's, there's a, in there, there was a Chinese, uh, a Chinese corporation that I think backs some of like regularly backs Tom Cruise's movies. But what's hilarious to me is it's a Chinese corporation that wanted to back a film about a naval fighter pilot, a fighter captain in America flying American jets. And they pulled their money because it's a film about a naval fighter captain in America <laughs> flying American jets. It was too pro-US. It's like, did you guys read the description before you initially pledged your money to this thing? Because, gotta tell you, this looks like you didn't 
you didn't really pay attention to what you were throwing your money into. You just <laughs> skimmed over it and was like, uh, uh, Tom Cruise, yes. <laughs> yep. It's uh it's very America fuck yeah. That's definitely and and you know, for if you want it to be, yes, it is. Yeah. But it, like like D'Angelo was like, you know, as we were telling him, we were like, yeah, yeah, that was really dope. I enjoyed it. Didn't feel like it was a waste of time. Like, I, you know, all that. But at the same time, do you need to see it? Nah. <laughs> you know? I mean, if you're if as a as a as a as a movie ex- theater as a movie theater going experience, yes. Is it high cinema? No. But if you're like a t- if you're if you nerd out on like outsized audio and things being filmed in IMAX and like. Tom Cruise in the cockpit doing most of the things, then sure, you should go see it. But like, is it essential viewing? No, ish. That's a lot. It was such a good movie. It really wasn't. (laughs) That's a lot of qualifications for a really. Oh hell yeah! On (laughs) On purpose. But you know, I'll wait for the inevitable streaming. Yeah, and, and even I, then, I mean, I, I have no interest in seeing Top Gun Maverick, but I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, like if you, yeah. yeah, if you ain't got, if you, if you just are in the mood for a fun action movie with fighter jets, by all means. But it's not like, yo, D'Angelo, you got to like, you need to drop everything that you're doing right now and go see that before it leaves theaters. Yeah, it's not yeah. that deep. Yeah. yeah, but it and is a good. But to 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 his credit, and his production company, Tom Cruise has made yet another really good movie. Yeah, he can still do the blockbusters, man. He still got it. And then the you know they dropped the Mission Impossible trailer that had gotten leaked already, but that shit, looked, that shit looked amazing as well. Got what that Mission Impossible. What, which one is that now? Uh, nine. Eight or nine? Dead Reckoning. Yeah, it's eight or nine, and it's like a two-parter too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, shout out to uh, Ving Rhames getting those checks. Yes, sir. <laughs> Showing up, be like, whoa, whoa, what are we doing? What are we doing? Mission Impossible. I'll, I'll be there. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna open this laptop and look busy. <laughs> Simon Pegg uh, fueling all his uh, his writing endeavors. Also, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I like I actually enjoy Tom Cruise, the actor. As, you know. Like I just like I was telling Josh, as long as he's running in the movie, it's a good movie. <laughs> and he did run in a fighter jockey movie, which is impressive. They fit um, it in. But yeah, they you know they did a good job. They're like, oh, here's all the new young recruits. There's a uh, two brown ones, there's Asian ones, throw two black people in there. No, there's no there, there's like no blondes. Woman, yep, yep. Double double a, double double. Yep, no, no blondes, because you know, blondes are evil. <laughs> And uh, oh, shout out to Jennifer Conley. She looked amazing. Yes, she definitely. Uh, I know she was in that movie. Yeah, she looked amazing. Um, uh, and actually, the original. We were talking about this. We were like, "Yo, is Jennifer Conley in the original?" She is not. Oh, hmm. she isn't. Because no. it's Kelly McGillis, and then Meg Ryan was. Oh, that's yep. right. It was Kelly McGillis and Meg Ryan. Wow, yep. crazy. Oh, so she just flew in out of nowhere. Yep. Yeah. Literally. Kelly McGillis already publicly was like, "Yeah, I'm too fat and old. I look like old. I, re- I look like my age." I was like, "Damn, that that's that's what we have to look forward to." <laughs> right. I'd like to reiterate that what Cam said at the beginning. She said that. Yes, she, she said this. Quote unquote. Yes. Yes. Quote unquote. Um, but uh, and then also too, 
the the one thing that I thought was look that looked cheesy from the trailer, but actually paid off was uh, Miles Teller as uh, Goose's son, and he had the yeah. goose like mustache, and he was kind of. But it actually worked. Like, I did not think it was gonna work. I thought it was gonna be cheesy. No. I was yes. like, this is stupid. But they did. You know, he was the goose. They had the archetype of Iceman. He was great. Like it's perfect, perfect archetype. You know, um, and so yeah, they they. Oh, there was a Val Kilmer cameo, which was great. Yep, that was awesome, and it was done really, really well, especially with his um, his disability that he has going on right now, and the way they right, played it right. in, the, in the film. They had him, they had him and Tom uh, talking, and he was typing out what his 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 answers were, which made the the scene even like more kind of special because it's like, yeah, oh yeah, man, yeah. Tom's just talking to himself, and you hear the the quietness of it as he's like responding and stuff. So it was dope. It, they did a really good job with that. Well done all the way around. Whoever his writing team was hats off because yeah. that should not have worked as well as it did yeah i think uh christopher mcquarrie was part of it who does all right. the um emission impossibles and a couple other folks so yeah man it, they they surprised they they did a good blockbuster right there um right. what was not a good blockbuster was the secrets of dumbledore i watched that on streaming and lord Why'd you Jesus. do that <laughs> you know what my homie jessica williams is in it i wanted to see her fight do use her wand and do stuff and uh it's oh man it, it's See, I hang out with D'Angelo too much, and I'm looking at the narrative. I'm blaming you for everything, D'Angelo. I was out here in my cloud of ignorance. <laughs> now I'm looking at plot points. I'm looking at how the pacing is horrible. The character development is, is, is atrocious. Ezra Miller was in that, wasn't he? Yeah, man. Okay, see? This is Cam's review of Secrets of Dumbledore. So, really quick. Ezra Miller was this big, the big like, reveal for the very first movie. The first movie was actually enjoyable. I liked that they expanded the, the, the world. I always love when the one thing about J.K. Rowling, which I really admire about her writing, is I like her world that she builds. I, I don't think her writing might not be quote unquote hella strong, but I think her world and how she builds the worlds are interesting. And uh, yeah. the very first one was dope. You went to America, you got to see how magic does it. It's magic does in America, it's different than how they do it in um, you know, London, blah, blah, blah. That was dope. Um, the big reveal was Ezra Miller was supposed to be, you know, whatever. So you get to the second one and they almost like threw all of that out the window. It was super jumbled. It didn't really, it didn't really build on anything from the first one. Yeah. Um, they kind of threw in people for no reason. Like Zoe Kravitz is fine as she is. She had nothing to do just be, by, except for be pretty. Uh, well, she got, that's enough, Cam. You're not wrong. Uh, then you got Jude Law playing sexy Dumbledore. Just that's that's his role to the whole film. She's just like I'm good looking and I'm Dumbledore. Um, and I actually enjoyed Darnie Depp as um, uh, Grindelwald in that, just because he had like a, a, a kind of a weird kind of thing about him. Um, I like that they show the evil part of um, wizards a little bit more than they used to, and like that that kind of stuff. And it was a lot more grown up. Moved into so now when I'm going to Secrets of Dumbledore, I'm all curious to see what they do. Ezra Miller has like one great fight scene, and then the rest of it, he's supposedly dying, and then that's that's it. I like to point out we said we were not going to talk about Johnny Depp. <sighs> we did, but I'm just saying in the context of a movie, I'm not speaking oh, on his extra. Keeping you honest, bro. Right, we, we don't. We don't need, that's another podcast that we're never going to do. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I. I thought about watching Secrets of Dumbledore, but then I I wish they had went the other route TV series. Yeah. Then yeah, they you know what? Able to explore the world like you just said. Yeah. I don't think that 
whether it's Eddie Redmayne's um, performance or whether it's the writing of the character, I think it's probably just the writing of the character because, you know, Redmayne is a pretty good actor. Um, it's just he was never clicked as an interesting protagonist. And like you said, it is an adult, more adult. So it's not the hero's journey coming of age, uh, yeah. you know, that you get to go along with with harry potter each year is a different year and you know his teen years from a, a child to you know it, it, it's not that same um um ethic so i thought you know we they where they could have continued to build like you said it just kind of fell apart so you know i thought about watching that third one but then I was just like, I don't know. I just <laughs> yeah. you, you confirmed it for me when you were like, ah, no, nah, it's not, yeah, it's it's, it's it's like I said, like as a as a person that went to school for animation, illustration, and concept art, and that kind of stuff. Like again, all the monsters are amazing. The bestiary for um, the Harry Potter world is always amazing, and so, but even that, they kind of got away from that, and it got more into the politics, and the melodrama. Which again, I love politics, but even this one was just kind of ham fisted. You you basically had. Grindelwald coming through, starting a revolution to be like, oh, actually, I just want to be a politician and run shit. I'm like, uh. <laughs> and yeah, so um, and it, it just got, it just fell so flat. Um, Jessica Williams did a pretty good job for what she was given. Um, the the dude, um, Pulowski or whatever, that dude, he was still good comic relief and fun. Um, but yeah, I, you're right. I think this, if they would have done maybe just the first film and then finished it up as a TV series, it probably would have been a lot better. Um, and you got a little bit more taste of like, I like that they showed more, like they were in Paris for this third one, which is cool. Um, but it's like, yeah, I would, I would love to see what, you know, um, the, you know, a, a freaking like, um, Hogwarts in Africa would look like, or in Asia would look like, or something like that. And we have a whole now, bunch of black people like me, like, uh, black people like magic too. We don't all have to have electric powers. <laughs> you know, I've never seen anything beyond the first film. Yeah, I don't know the the Harry Potter series. I, I two, the first Harry Potter film. Yeah, yeah. My daughter and I sat down. We we hovered around it for I don't know how long. She tried to read the books. Like I tried to make her read the books just because I was trying to make her read. Mm. And she eventually landed on other stuff. But she looked back at that book and was just like, "I have no interest in this crap." Yeah, it seems like it's right up your alley, and and so like I said, we hovered, hovered, hovered. Eventually, I think she was like ten when I tried to make her read the first book, ten or twelve, somewhere there about. She was seventeen, and she's like, "All right, Dad, let's let's go ahead." Out of the blue one day, let's go ahead and knock out this Harry Potter movie. If it's good, then we'll watch the other five movies. If it's not. This needs to die here. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, I didn't really have any interest in Harry Potter. I thought she she thought that I watched all of them and was trying to get her into it. And Ooh. I thought she would be into it. Wow. But also, you need to read because because I'm your father. <laughs> right. And so we sat down and watched it. We were like, meh, no, nah, we're good. We don't need to we don't need to do the rest. It's fine. Right. Yeah, I didn't watch the first two until the th yeah I didn't watch it until the because they came out around the same time as uh, Lord of the Rings and I was like I'm not yeah. watching yep. Lord of yeah. the Rings I, like Junior like it don't make no sense to me. Did um, you skip on Lord of the Rings? No, no, I watched Lord of the Rings. I skipped Harry Potter. 
Oh, oh, oh. And then, so then when I watched the, oh, Prisoner Azkaban, I went that watched that with my my classmates, and I was like, yo, this is kind of dope. And then I picked up the books from there on, um, and then I then I started to watch it with the rest of my classmates and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's like I said, like an intriguing world that like I and. I'm starting to agree with D'Angelo more and more where it's like now I'm starting to see which stories would work better as a TV show and work better as a film. And like, in the, especially in the TV show, you get to expand on the world more. You get to you know, be a little bit more um, with the minutiae and, and the character building and that kind Wait, of stuff. Because it's super detailed from what yeah. I know. Yeah, it's super yeah, I detailed. I mean, the prose is not great. I, I read the last two books. The Which one is that? Harry the, Potter and the Long Camping Trip. You know what? That's the first time I would say like the the I would actually say the movies are better than the book because they they got to you know truncate it and really get to the meat of the the good stuff. Because the last two movies are actually really entertaining. They're like fun. They're fat. You know whatever. And and to uh, Radcliffe and the rest of the cast's thing, they really do portray those characters really well, and you get to grow up with them. You see it. You know. Which I thought was really fresh. Yeah. Um, and it I took think me it- a second to get into it. I, I mean, I was like you. I saw like the Prisoner of Azkaban first, and I don't remember the circumstances, but I didn't want to watch it. But I ended up seeing it, and I don't even think I liked it then. I think it. it I went back because I don't like starting in the middle of a of a story anyway. Mm, so I yeah. went back and tried the first one i said oh this is okay and then i went to the second one because it, it it had a nice serial feel to it like the the second one picked up where the last one left off you know or it was a new year or whatever um so i liked the journey but i didn't have any interest in reading it until the last couple of books i think i wanted to know what was happening before the movie <laughs> before the movie yeah and so but I regret that that last book was so tedious and long, and the movie is the movie is broken into two parts because of how long the book is. But even the movies cut out a lot of the stuff that just was meandering in the in the book. Not yeah. meandering. It was a lot of world building, and but it felt. I don't like, think I've ever heard you call a book tedious. As much as you read. <laughs> well tedious in a way in that it wasn't great prose <laughs> that's like like she she's a good gotcha. she's an okay writer but it's not like you know turn your page turn the page like it's it's very uh one-dimensional i'll put it like that but detailed yeah. by way of her world yeah that's why I was like, I was, and I think that's what's the suffering part for this one because she did the screenplays, I believe. Like, I think she has a sole credit for them. And you can tell where it's like, oh man, like, like good. You, you basically needed some one other person to be like, ah, cut that. Let's, what about this? Let's link these things together. And so, um, yeah, I think there are, like, there are not many nuances. It's good and evil. Like, that's, that's what it is. It's a, it's a battle between good, good wizards, bad wizards. Like, yeah, exactly. And I think that's that, what it is. And I, I like, like I said, the characters are interesting. There are, are character interesting characters. The world itself is awesome. Like I said, I love I love that concept of like you go to different you know places in the world and they have their own like Ministry of Magic, but it's you know that it's in France or it's in London or it's in New York and they do things differently and you know that kind of stuff. And so um, yeah, the pieces are all there. If they were, like, I'm probably I'm actually more interested in the Harry Potter the video game that's coming out than I was for like Secrets of Dumbledore. 
And yeah. uh, we have a different character. We he's in Hogwarts. You know, everyone's old mm-hmm. now. It's like so. I, I'm like I'm more curious about that one now, just because again we go back to that. You know, something new and in a, something something a character that's new in an established world. That's always more interesting than right. pulling from the old to kind of do that because. As yeah. a as a lifelong comic book fan, that's what I live with all the time. So when you get a new character, I'm curious to see where this goes and what what happens. Yeah, how does how can this character exist in this world that you know? So as an audience, a reader, whatever, you know the world, but this character is about to stumble through it. So you're going to go along with them on that journey. So you know, I think there's something. And again, going back to the Star Wars conversation, you know. There are many errors of the Star Wars mythos. You know, we, Josh and I talk about the Darth Bane era and the, All the, 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 the creation oh, yes. <laughs> Yep. You know, why that, if, if you put that out there, it would make what happened to the Jedi's make more sense in the Skywalker. Um, like, you would actually enhance the experience of the Skywalker story narrative as far as the Jedi's are concerned. Yeah, by building because, around it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you will see that this was not just one guy's, this was literally thousands of years of planning and making and, you know, of the Jedi being arrogantly believing that the Sith were gone and, you know, it's a, it, all these things. and the Sith slowly chipping away at their power. So, you know, that's where they're, see, even in, and I think there is an acknowledgement of that because I think there was an announcement that some of the old scrap, um, um, Oh, extended universe is going to be put coming back. So they, they, they're starting to see that they don't have the band for whatever reason, they're not expanding as far as they thought they would. Yeah. And they need to kind of go back to what was established because though you'll see those were the stories that George Lucas didn't come up with, but they existed in his world. Yeah. And we're and we're really dope. And he had to give the stamp of approval to all he did, yes. They they were characters that he created, but other authors took them to different places. And with and his that's approval because under Lucas, um, Lucas Arts and you know, all in the publishing rights, so he had a control over that, and it was a it was a lot, yeah. Granted, it needs to be curated, but mm-hmm. the best parts of it would definitely enhance what they're trying to do right now and understand them. But you know, that continuity is already jumbled up, so yeah. Right? And I think, I mean, because even, um, I have, I have a bunch of the um the Dark Horse Star Wars comics. And that's like, you know, Crimson Guard, you know, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. And the, yeah. the coolest thing about them, it's it's literally force uh, sensitive people, whether they're Jedi's, not Jedi's, whatever, whatever, in this world. And then you get to find a whole different story, a whole new thing. And it's super interesting. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but like, it's just new. And you're like, oh man, that was cool. Or, oh, that was kind of whatever. Yeah. But I like that they at least like went out of that realm. And yeah. I think um, in the new iteration with Marvel and their comic books, it is good. Like I would say the Star Wars book is great. And the Darth Vader book is great. Dr. Aphra is a great new character. There's a lot of good stuff in there. But you're right, it still sticks to the tried and true 
through around the Skywalker saga and all that kind of stuff. And I think the um, the Dark Horse series and those other extended universes that they they were kind of like, okay, we know in this part of the galaxy Skywalkers, but in this part of the galaxy, a whole other shit was going down, and it was just as crazy, just as epic, and super interesting. And we're gonna show you what it is. And I think if they can get to that some type of if they get to that balance, then next Star Wars. I mean, again, this is a franchise that's gonna be around long after we're dead. So yeah. it, 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 like they have the that runway, but I really hope that they look at their extended universe and really pull that in. And I think Ahsoka's um, series might be able to the linchpin for that. Yeah, I honestly thought that when the Mandalorian was coming out before I read anything about it, that it was gonna be like the real Mandalorian era. Like the, yeah, that was be interesting. Yeah, on Mandalore and where they were fighting against the old Republic Jedi and and like things like that. So you know. And then so to in the Mandalorian that we got again stuck in the post Skywalker era is like this isn't the cool Mandalorian that we could have. So yep. Yep. you know, I mean, he is cool. Don't get yeah. me wrong. He the, the character's great. The show, the series is is, is awesome. Um, but it could have been something a little bit more. You know, I was very surprised when it turned out to be the the him protecting the the child and, and yes, yeah. Like I didn't, yeah. I was surprising yeah. too. I mean, I think they might, um, you know, I think uh, uh, Katie Sackoff is going to come back again as Bo-Katan. And so they're like talking about maybe doing a series with her and that whole Mandalorian thing, which I think would be great. awesome. Be yeah. great. Again, new characters yeah. having fun, you know, Ahsoka stuff. Like I saw a meme where it was just like, uh, it was the Trojan horse. And so the Trojan horse was uh, Ahsoka, and then the inside was uh, oh, yeah, was, uh, was Rebel <laughs> Season Five. Yeah, yeah. Rebel <laughs> Season Five. <laughs> hey, go for it, Felonia. That's what it takes. No, man. That's exactly. That's what it takes. Let him do it all. Yep, one hundred percent. I remember when I, I remember I had watched Rebels the first like six episodes, and it was kind of like the kitty and the co- the colors are brighter, and like yeah, you know, yeah. I was kind of like, oh, this might not be for me, so I kind of just chilled, and then I think it was like. When Vader showed up, I think it was Josh. Like, yo, you need to watch Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mood always changes. <laughs> like, and then I, I, I caught up, and I was like, oh crap! Like, Leia shows up, and you know, Lando, and then then it, then it just and I I was telling it to someone else. I was like, for Clone Wars, it takes about two seasons for them to realize that this show is not about Skywalker. And for Rebels, it takes about six episodes. And right when it hits that sixth episode, and it just shoots, and it just goes goes from there like it's not kid anymore it's it gets real serious like they just have a lot of dope themes they mix with that bop 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 um the one thing i hope for in um which would be cool in obi-wan or in shoka is if they bring back ventress just because like ventress is probably one of my favorite characters that's not used enough and i think she has like a lot of range it's also another woman she's a badass dope design and like i think they could do a lot of stuff with her and then like she's another one of those characters where just like you could give her her own show and it would be just as interesting because it would be absolutely so dope and like that's one of those characters where i'm like you know they're gonna keep they're gonna keep going on this like you know more people of color in star wars and all that kind of stuff and i think ventures would be a, a great addition to that yeah. um all right, so guys, now that we're wrapping up, it is June. We all know what June means. It's June team. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Wait, that, that was like a Josh, you, Josh, you will you will respect our second black people holiday. This is important. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
We now have two Black People Days off, people. Uh, Martin Luther King Day and now Juneteenth is a national Woo-hoo! holiday. Which means, just as just just like Martin Luther King and all the horrible, horrible, horrible advertisements that they do on that day, we have a just as bad for Juneteenth. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's like a waking comedy show. Uh, you know, sometimes you feel like you're in Idiocracy, that movie. Like it's just mm. it's little silly little things like that. Um, that you read about, you know, between the watermelon on the menu and, uh, you know, I was in the store and there was like all these decorations that were like red, green and black and, you know, Juneteenth like plates and confetti and all kinds of napkins. I'm very serious. <laughs> on the whole kit, on the whole uh, aisle by itself, um, right there for um, you know the consumer to buy for their Juneteenth party. <laughs> They're trying to make it another like barbecue Memorial Day type thing. Basically, yeah. basically, that's just another crazy. reason in the summer to celebrate. That's crazy. That's so bad. And the worst part is, like, your average black person doesn't even really know Juneteenth like that. No. Like maybe a little bit, but not on a level of like you know why and the whole story behind it and all that. And I know the people that got that brought this legislation on to get it to be a holiday, like were well intentioned and well meaning, which I think is dope. But at the same time, it's just like you knew this was coming. We were we're getting Juneteenth burgers, we're getting Juneteenth watermelon. Uh, What else? Oh, Juneteenth lotion and Vaseline to be. Yes. (laughs) Our skin got to be equity and equity and inclusive. That one's just weird and odd. And just, I mean, it, capitalist society, man, they attach it on to anything to make a buck. Well, yeah, it's, it's, everything can be commodified. Mm-hmm. And people are the currency. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're, that's where, where we are. I was telling my mom the other day, I feel like it's only a matter of time before there's a September 11th sale for everything. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of of possibility. You know, you, as sad as that is, it, it I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, there was like, you know, we got Juneteenth ice cream and Juneteenth, like like Josh said, like a uh, confetti and and paper plates and stuff, and folks is doing watermelon salad for uh, <laughs> on the menu. But at museums, that's the sad part. It was a museum oh, damn. that advertised. <laughs> uh, so this is making the rounds. Um, there's a there's an Indianapolis museum that had watermelon salad on their menu for uh, Juneteenth because it's red, <laughs> and that's one of the colors that's represented in Juneteenth. <laughs> oh, and the, and their and in part of their uh, in part of their uh, their their apology letter, they were like, you know, it's something that we have on our menu all the time, and you know, our our the manager of the food court said that he liked it. So like, oh, what? Let's make it better. That's like saying you have a black friend <laughs> when you say something racist. No, 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 no. I have black friends. Yeah, it's appropriate. Yeah, they didn't say he was black, but that the implication is the manager is black and he said it's okay, so it's okay. Well, it's yeah, so you throw your, your not your 
your unmentioned black ma- uh, food court manager under the bus for your food day for your uh, Juneteenth food court gaffe. Good job, <laughs> really good job. Oh God, my oh, friends God. are black. Were you gonna say D'Angelo? <laughs> oh no, I, I mean you guys, it, you said it all, man. It's crazy. I mean, it, we here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, like I said, it's like a comedy. Like, what can you say about this stuff that 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 hasn't been said about you know a train wreck? You know, so it's 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 that's where it is. We'll we'll continue to watch as as there's these efforts of diversity and uh, openness, and everybody gets is we, we see it all. And what is it, Cam? <laughs> diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yes, sir. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. Got to be it. Got to get it. Got to get like, it. Um, you know, to to quote the white on what? No, the office was like heroes. It's like I don't even remember what the, the acronym was. I just remember the white saying, "That's not what a hero is. A hero is a person that kills people." <laughs> <laughs> the it totally misinterprets the whole effort. The world like, according to the uh, with, with they just misinterpret the whole effort. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So you mean nah. Martin Luther King wouldn't be hanging out with you know strippers on a flyer for a barbecue? <laughs> uh, I would think yeah. it, as long as he has a do rag eating chicken. Oh well, yes, of course there's that. <laughs> I'm gonna be the one that says no comment to that. <laughs> <laughs> So good, dude. So good. But uh, yeah, and so with that, we'll come we'll come with our final words. I got a good one. I got a good one, so I'm gonna save it for last. Josh, you got a final word? Um, final word is you know, shout out to that museum in Indianapolis, man. You know, watermelon and feta go together apparently, um, for Juneteenth. So, you know, <laughs> eat up. <laughs> uh D'Angelo? Ah man, all I'm gonna—I'm gonna wrap it back to Obi Wan to that to that conversation. I'm just gonna say, shout out to hats off to the returning. Did Obi Wan have watermelon salad too? He did. He did. <laughs> in the desert. In the desert. In the desert. I caught it. It was an Easter. Sorry, man. I, I couldn't. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, but. Shout out to the returning Hayden Christensen because the dude don't got no no lines, but he's definitely embodying Vader in in Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm, absolutely, and that's a that's a big that's a big thing because honestly, we all know James Earl Jones is Darth Vader. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. And, and also, I will I will cry when he passes. The great one is back as the voice of Vader, and it is—it's like the dude has not missed a beat, and that's what makes it so special. Because James Earl Jones keeps it within the world of of where Star Wars is, and his voice is always excellently applied. I mean, it's just—it's—it's amazing, and all these years hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, a hundred percent. There was nothing like it. Did not feel like. It like again. That's the one thing I would do. I would say with all the new Vader iterations later on is is dope. Like the voice is there. It hits. Like he says stuff that it would. Like you said, you 
what you envisioned Vader it was back when you were scared as a kid, all the way up as an adult, you feel mm -hmm. it. You used to hold you know? nine. The part, like especially when he's like torturing Obi Wan as opposed to just mm -hmm. killing him really quick, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Feels like conniving, like oh yeah. But you're right. That's the for James Earl Jones again. We never give that. We don't give him his flowers enough, even though he's amazing. Been doing it forever. <laughs> But every time, man, gravitas, gravitas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. And my final words, I would like to dedicate my final words to the great Ray Fish from, of Cyborg from uh, Justice League fame. Why do I say yeah, this? this one home. <laughs> Ray Fish entered into the uh, media once again as, uh, you know, uh, the Warner Brothers motion picture group chairman Toby Emmerich stepped down. So you know he had to, he he had to, he had to throw his darts in real quick. Okay. <laughs> and um, the only reason I'm only dedicating to them because Ray Fish, aka uh, Uncle Ruckus, aka <laughs> he always has to he has to protect our man Singer and, and the whole franchise of Justice League as saying how great it is, even though they have Give done him. Snyder. Yep, that's a Snyder. Sorry. Uh, even though they have done him nothing but nothing. So Ray Fish, I'm glad you got to get a little bit darts off. Even though none of these people have done nothing for you, <laughs> you know, benefit you, continue the to, you continue to to he continues to to protect him even now. I'm like, man, let it go, bro. Man, and and the those, the one the one who won't be named benefited the most, and, and Ray Fish, man, all he got is his is his insults on Twitter. Yep, that's, that's all he got. It. He got darts Sold on Twitter. Soul. Sold his soul for inserts. He don't. He don't get no roles. He don't get no cameos. Hey, you know who else is getting boxed out like that is John Boyega. Now it seems like he's getting boxed out a little bit. I, you know what? He, but he's been. He did a little he's bit. Also doing he, his own stuff. Yeah, he's doing producing. Well, well I know. But, but yeah, you're right though. Like it's some of the some of the larger like big stuff, like a uh, blockbuster type stuff. He been. Yeah. I noticed he's been taking a, a back. Like after he produced, he produced the the Pacific Rim sequel. And that was like his right. big first one, not blockbuster, or whatnot. But it's I've I've been keeping tabs, and he's been doing a lot more production. They're doing a um, Attack of the Block sequel and a couple other things. So I think he's I think he's I think he it, it's I might be purposely, but it also like you said, I don't really see his name thrown in for a lot of the bigger things and just like the, as much anymore. You know what that means, D'Angelo? You got to write it for him. Mm. Well, let's I mean, go. Hey, John Boyega is the man. He so he'd be great to have in any any kind of project. Facts, facts on facts. All right, well, that's that. That's it for Blurred Lines. Thanks you for listening. We are out. Peace. Enjoy your watermelon salad <laughs> with feta and salt. Watermelon salad. <laughs> watermelon salad. <laughs> no, wait, maybe that's the episode name. Watermelon salad. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. All right, we're out. We really are out. Peace.